What's Good Friends List episode 103 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. E3 has come and gone, and with it came a bunch of new announcements, reveals, trailers, and more, specifically from our friends at Xbox and Microsoft. So, this week, we get you caught up on all of the past week's E3 hype as we break down what you may have missed at gaming's biggest digital event. Did Starfield's early look appease fans? Does Halo Infinite's changes from last year look to actually improve the title in a marginal way? We get a lay of the land for all of what Microsoft had up its sleeve this past weekend. Also, it seems as though Rare's Everwild is going through a major rework, but that may be for the best. Does its reboot signal that Microsoft is doubling down on its ability to be flexible with dates and choose quality over quantity with its exclusives? All of this and much more on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all the jazz I tell you every week, the whole rigmarole, wherever you get a podcast at. And course follow us on twitter at gpgc podcast stay up to date with everything regarding the show video games alike and our dope giveaways i'm your host as always travis white aka travelus on most internet platforms joining me as always my partner in crime mike peepak mike what's good what's going on and what have you been playing and how have you now that e3 is over you know we've seen it all and everything and we'll get into you know the obviously if you're seeing the title of this episode it's our e3 review and catch up and catch all you know show for the year but you know what's what's been going on in the world of video games for mike peepak now that we're on the other side of e3 where's your head at i guess yeah absolutely i um for me i'm pretty excited i would say that there's general excitement about pretty much all the announcements that e3 um provided us i feel really good about a lot of different games but the game i'm most interested in right now is diablo 2 resurrected i know it might sound like i know some people on the show would probably think that's not the biggest surprise because i'm a huge diablo 2 fan and self-admitted like i've pretty much been talking about how great that game is and how a remaster would be amazing but it has to stay true uh to the original product and it seems like that's the case thus far so i'm really excited about e about a lot of the announcements that came with e3 uh, i'm even pretty excited um we'll say conservatively excited for halo infinite news because <laughs> i am a little bit concerned about the competitive integrity of the game but it does look like btb is going to be sick uh, which is one of our group staples oh, which yeah. I'm, I'm all about it's it's all about fun it, it lets the best players shine but it also you know provides a fun experience so I'm, I'm all about that but i've just been playing actually recently i know it might be a little bit of a surprise but <laughs> I've been actually getting back into a little bit of Valley Girl, uh, Valorant recently. Ooh, so there you go. I uh, played a little bit of Valorant the last week or so. Got myself back up to Platinum 1. Um, trying to get back up into Diamond and, and Immortal, but uh, I just haven't played in so long. So 
learning the relearning the meta and everything has been been fun but yeah i mean that's basically the only game i've been playing that's outside of my normal rotation which still includes company of heroes to be on the back end of things mm-hmm. phasmophobia recently because of the new update with the new map and the two new ghosts and then uh you know halo and and even some counter strike in there so mm-hmm. yeah i mean counter strike and valorant are two birds of the same feather when it comes to like if you do not play that for a few days like no matter if it's a little bit of rust or a lot of rust you're gonna have some rust like it's gonna yeah it's it's so much muscle memory and it's so much like you're saying specifically when it comes to valorant the meta that's ever changing with that game that it's like i remember like jumping back into it after a few months and i'm like whoo no no this is not good especially now that like you and i who had been playing it from beta and whatnot like the new maps that are there like trying to get in and learn all of that on the fly even in like unrated like just going in and trying to learn the maps is like a bear at times yeah it's it's very much you have to be committed to either side even when it isn't like in an actual competitive playlist quote unquote but on my end um we're on the other side of e3 which is big um and if you can't tell i am recording remotely um i naturally the same week of e3 had to be the week that we go to the beach. Yay. So, which is a good thing. Um, but, and I was able to get a lot of my, um, you know, media week was last week. I was able to get a lot of that stuff done uh, and check out a lot of games, specifically a lot of indie games I wanted to check out. That was my main focus. Um, but, um, you know, was able to get a lot of that done before heading into this week. So it was mostly just prep for the show and things like that this week. And obviously covering and taking notes for the big events we had this uh you know, the big conferences and what we had this week, specifically Microsoft, obviously. But um, on my end, though, I figured I'd kind of, since obviously I'm on vacation, granted, I have, you know, my Switch with me and my my laptop, which is a gaming laptop that I could probably play stuff, but I've been pretty preoccupied with doing, you know, social things for once and whatnot. <laughs> um, but playing a little xCloud here and there if the hotel Wi-Fi and my service is good enough, but um, I wanted to kind of pivot and make my, usually my intro section where I talk about, Hey, what have you been playing? I want to focus on and give a platform to some indie games, some shout outs that I got to play in some teams I got to meet with, um, that I really feel like resonated with me and want to make sure I give them a platform to check out because, you know, a lot of, a lot of indie games come to E3, a lot of teams that necessarily don't have the pomp and circumstance, the you know, the income source that a Microsoft and Nintendo, uh, you know, Ubisoft, Capcom, you name it, has, um, you know, that they bring these games here and are able to provide really unique experiences that sometimes fall by the wayside, which is bullshit. So, you know, I want to make sure at least we do right and give our platform, um, you know, make our platform available to them. So one of the games I wanted to start off with, um, Dreamscaper. It's from Afterburner Studio. It's a... Uh, roguelite action RPG. So I know this is an Xbox show and I feel like I said it like once a week, but um, if anybody's listening has played Returnal, um, the newest game from Housemark over on the PS5 that's very roguelite, um, it has very much feels of that plus Legend of Zelda, um, which I was obviously pulled me in right away, but it was probably one of the best games I saw at E3 this year. Like, no joke. I'm not a roguelite fan that much. Um, but getting to talk to the team at Afterburner and I believe his name was Ian over there who I talked to. Actually, I talked about, I want to get them on the show because I think it's really unique what they're kind of, you know, 
dealing with and whatnot because it, it, mm-hmm. it kind of tackles it, which really hits home to me is tackling a lot of you know mental health issues and dealing with the demons that kind of mess with your subconscious at times and whatnot um it kind of plays on that and use that thematically within it um and the art style is absolutely beautiful um like i said it's called dreamscaper um you play as um a woman who's kind of moved to a new town moved out and kind of trying to find your way as being what feels like an introvert and making yourself known and trying to fight these doubts that you have. And it manifests it into this roguelike action RPG within it. And it's really, really, really beautiful looking. Um, it's in early access right now. So you could actually go and play this game right now. Um, but the full version is coming, I believe in August, I believe. Um, bu- 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 where did I have that? Yes. Yeah. Q3 2021 was the official date that they put out, but from my understanding, I think the team said they're looking at around an August date for that. So definitely check out with that. Um, next up, what else did I check out that I wanted to make sure I touch on? Oh, Rune Raiders. Uh, it's from Overpower Team. They're out of Spain, um, which was really cool. It's it's a nice it's it's a mesh of which seems to be the it seems to be the um, like theme lately of a lot of indie developers coming out making roguelites, but it's a roguelike take on XCOM really. And it's really cool Mm. because it's almost like the dungeon. You're basically the, they call them runes, but they're basically dungeons that you would find in a traditional, like old school Zelda title. Like think Zelda one link to the past uh, links awakening that style of Zelda where it's all tile based. So it's built and it's set up like XCOM, but you're dungeon crawling. And then it has Diablo like elements as well, too, where you'll go in and sometimes you'll run into a battle. Sometimes you'll be able to go in and you'll just find loot. And there's loot and also the battles as well. And you're upgrading your team as you go. And like roguelites, you'll get permanent skills that back up. But you'll also get, um, you know, you'll also get various things that, hey, you're you know, your teammate could die and that's a permadeath until you get back and, you know, you're able to get back up or whatever, you know, it, it has so many, it meshes. I felt like XCOM and really the Diablo like dungeon crawling experience really well. Um, I was a big fan of it. It's coming out this fall. I can't remember. I don't believe they put a release date on it, Um, but it's coming out this fall. I thought it was really, really fantastic. And I'm not somebody who traditionally plays, a lot of XCOM titles, um, or that's kind of like tactical strategy type game. Um, where I don't want to say it's an RTS, obviously, but it's it's very much if you played, you know, even on a casual level, Mario versus Rabbits um, on Switch, it's very much like that. Only has much more roguelite and dungeon crawling elements, which I really was a fan of. Um, I'm trying to think. Oh, and then the last one I really wanted to bring up that I felt that I really dug was Sands of Aura. So it's an open world action RPG. It's set in this like sand like kingdom where you will take almost if you've ever seen the movie Treasure Planet on from Disney, like way back in the day, like and way back in the day makes me feel old. We're talking about like 2001 or like 1999, <laughs> something like that. Um, if you've ever seen that, it almost looks like that you take like the ship that kind of floats above the sand and you'll go to different areas, but it's almost built like Diablo meets dark souls. And it's really cool. Cause you could, 
you know, roll different builds. You can, you know, different certain abilities match well with others and whatnot. And you'll kind of spec your character out to begin with. But the combat is very, I don't want to say unforgiving, but in the sense of you, like Dark Souls, you need to master what's going on. You can't just rely on brute strength all the time. And I think that's a nice refreshing take on that Diablo-esque isometric, you know, kind of run through, get as much loot as possible, yada, yada. Like, it's refreshing on that end to the extent that I feel like Diablo at times can be not necessarily, I don't want to say, oh, it can be easy, because it can. I mean, you could obviously run it on, you know, hell mode and whatnot and get Mm -hmm. there, but the... And unless you really dig that experience at times, it can get a little monotonous. Like I love Diablo, mm-hmm. but in Mike, I'm sure you can test this. Sometimes going through and just clicking and yeah, hitting a couple of abilities every now and now and then can be kind of like you shut your mind off. You know, you just yeah. kind of float. Where this much more makes you rely on, hey, no, you're going to be like you can't just sometimes you gotta skip through enemies. If you wanna there's the risk reward of hey, do you wanna worry about potentially losing some health? Do you want to potentially worry about, you know, getting hit and using a potion before you get to that boss? Like, maybe skip these enemies, roll past them, or something like that. Like, it relies a lot on the strength of the player's knowledge on how to approach the game. And I thought that was really refreshing to an experience like that, to a dungeon-crawling feel of it. Um, Plus, like I said, it's open world, so that obviously caught my eye right away. away, So, um, But getting to jump in there... Uh, to check that out. Like I said, that was from Cashew Entertainment. They're looking to eventually get it into early access relatively soon. I know they're they're saying they're working out. Uh, it's a small team. They're working out a couple of things still on how to approach the game and whatnot. But from what I saw, definitely, definitely, definitely don't sleep on that. Um, I got to see what they had was the first playable demo of it. Um, so they're still kind of working on balancing and all those things with it. But I definitely say keep an eye on that. Uh, I believe you could wish list it right now on Steam, so go ahead and do that. I'll drop links to all these in um, in the uh, description of the episode. So scroll down there, check them out. You know, make sure you keep an eye on all that. But yeah, I just wanted to make sure I highlighted some of these indie games that I saw that really stood out to me. Um, Freedom Games really stood out to me in general. Um, the indie publishing or, or that indie publishing uh, entity that put on a. Um, their own pretty much style direct type thing this past week. You know, I thought they did really great with a lot of their stuff. So, uh, but at the end of the day, it was really great to just talk to all of these small teams and whatnot that I got to see um, because we all get hyped for these, you know, Hey, let's we're hyped for Xbox. We're hyped to see Star Wars. We're hyped to see, you know, all of these huge, you know, tentpole franchises, these multi-million dollar, you know, developed staffs where it's, you know, a lot of times we're talking about own invested money with these indie teams. Um, somebody mm-hmm. who's doubling down their mortgage and stuff like that to make this potentially happen. They're taking a gamble. So I just want to make sure I at least got the time to throw that out there make sure everyone got to see or, you know, hear about, I should say, some of these games um, because it was really fantastic. And like I said, I want to get Ian on from the Dreamscaper team. I know I talked to him about potentially getting him on the show because we really connected with a lot of stuff we talked about the game uh, so I, I'd love to kind of bring him on and kind of pick his brain a little bit more once the game gets close to uh, release and they're probably doing their press junkets and whatnot. But I digress. Mike, we got a lot to talk about today. And I would also like to go to the beach at some point today. So uh, consider it was our last day. So 
let's jump in before we get too long into the tooth. Let's run through a quick button mash. I shouldn't say quick because there are some big stuff in here, but relatively number of things quick before we get into our big topic, obviously, being the E3 excitement around Microsoft and Bethesda. So if you're new to the show, button mash where we run through our quick hit news articles for the week to set the scene before we get into our big topic. So let's kick it off with Rare Everwild, their new game that is a big hyped Xbox exclusive has, quote, been completely rebooted following mm. the departure of its creative director. VGC sources have learned that's Video Game Chronicles. Obviously, go check them out. The original IP was a notable absent or absentee from Xbox and Bethesda Showcase on Sunday, especially considering Rare debuted new trailers for the game at each of Microsoft's previous two big events, the Xbox Game Showcase last July and XO19 in November of 2019. And... According to our publishing sources, it could be a while before fans receive a significant update on the title, and even longer before it's released. VGC understands that last year's departure of creative director Simon Woodroffe, uh, first reported by them, had led to a complete overhaul of the game's design and direction, as well as significant changes to its senior leadership. According to people with knowledge of Everwild's development, the game's design has essentially been, quote, restarted in scra er, from scratch, which means it will likely be several years before it releases. This corroborates with comments made by journalist Jeff Grubb in a video show this weekend in which he said he'd heard Everwild development was taking longer than expected. We've been told that Everwild's development team is now, quote, optimistically targeting a 2024 release and that Rare's most senior creative employee, designer Greg Mayles, has been brought in to lead the reboot. Microsoft has announced that it intends on expanding the Xbox One's lifespan by implementing its cloud gaming services onto console, meaning you will soon be able to use Microsoft's 8th gen console to play Xbox Series X and S games. As noted by an Xbox Wire post, Microsoft confirmed that it would also use Xbox or Xbox Cloud Gaming, formerly known as xCloud, to allow Xbox One uh, owners to play newer Xbox games without buying a gaming PC or a Series X or S console. Quote, for millions of people who play on Xbox One consoles today, we are looking forward to sharing more about how we will bring many of these next-gen games, such as Microsoft Flight Simulator, to your console through Xbox Cloud Gaming. Just like we do with mobile devices, tablets, and browsers, Xbox Wires will Tuttle said in the post. Speaking to IGN, Senior Vice President of Walt Disney Games, Sean Sh uh, Shopot, or Shopta, there we go, Sean Shopta, I hope I said that right, said that Disney was happy to work with, quote, the best developers, specifically those who came to them with interesting ideas or interpretations that hadn't been done. When asked what that uh, what was meant by, quote, the best, and if it in, uh, included indie developers as well as the big budget AAA titles, he confirmed that they were all welcome and hinted that there may already be something along those lines in the works. Quote, obviously, we work with a lot of big AAA partners like Ubisoft, like Bethesda, like EA, and we'll continue to do that, he said. But we are very open to quality regardless of size, right? So if they're strong or if they are strong indie that... Uh, indie studios that has a real passion and a vision for a story of ours or a character of ours or anything in our universe, we're all ears. I think that you will see stuff coming out over time here that really will back that up. So yeah, it's not just about the big guys. The big guys, uh, those are really important partners of ours, as noted, but we're hoping to work with a broad set of partners across the world. If you somehow managed to play through all of the extensive content in Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and if you hadn't, then I guess you 
just don't sleep for some reason, <laughs> and <laughs> are desperate for more of uh, Avor's adventures, then the latest patch will somehow or will soothe your wills, adding a new game mode and further updates to improve the overall quality of the game. Announced on the Assassin's Creed website, patch 1.2.2 arrives now. You can go get it right this second. And begins or and brings with it a new mastery challenge game mode as part of the Ostara season of content. The description of the new mode is pretty nebulous, but reveals that players will uh, be sent to a complete uh, sent to complete a number of quests. There we go, Travis. Words. <laughs> Quote: A master of an ancient art sends you on a quest to provide your might or prove your might through trials that will transcend the rules of reality. Uh, and then finally wrapping up, two little Resident Evil updates here. Capcom announced during its uh, E3 2021 stream that additional DLC is being developed for Resident Evil Village. Yay! While Capcom didn't prove uh, provide any detail further details, it said that the new content is being made by, quote, popular demand. Well, I'd say so. Um, Resident Evil also, too, on top of this, Resident Evil Village was not only the best-selling game in May of 2021 in the U.S., but... It also generated the highest launch month sales of any game released in 2021. As revealed by the NPD group's Matt Piscatella, uh, Piscatella uh, Resident Evil Village's first month on the market also earned it the title of the second best-selling game of 2021 so far, which was made possible in part due to the game strong or game shipping over 3 million units globally in just its first few days following launch. So, Mike, after all of that, before we head into our big topics, anything you want to run back real quick and button mash? Yeah, I think um, for just for how important we all thought this was going to be for Rare, um, Everwild getting completely rebooted is kind of gutting for, I guess, anybody that was kind of looking forward to see what Rare's next, uh, you know, IP was going to be. Being pushed back to 2024 is obviously going to be the correct decision. They wouldn't have made this decision uh, without it being what the game needed. And it's a big deal that they were willing to, you know, just push this back and completely remake it. Um, it's just a disappointment because I know I can speak for you. I can speak for myself, probably Adam. Rare's been a developer. You know, they developed some pretty big hits back when we were younger on N64. And even going back, um, you know, they've been one of those game development studios that for a while, you know, they were kind of the king. And, you know, we know what they have in a tank. We just want to see more of it. Okay. And it's it's disappointing. Like, I, I don't want to, you know, ba I'm not going to bash them or, or, you know, try to make light of the fact that they obviously had a difficult decision to make. I just can't wait to see what they come up with. And, you know, we'll be ready in 2024 to see what they what they create. I'm sure it's going to be incredible. Yeah. And I'm I'm happy to see that getting pushed back because... You know, when you lose an integral part of the team like that, and it seems like Rare's a, a relatively small team, mm -hmm. um, that's just pretty devastating to the entire game development. So, uh, you know, we'll be waiting uh, patiently for you. Take your time. Make sure this game's great. Yeah. Um, well, and that's what, and, and I, I totally agree, not to interrupt you, but, like, I mm -hmm. had, it matches everything I've heard. I've heard rumblings of this for the past, I want to say month, maybe. Um, just from people I know, sources now I've kind of have and, you know, friends and whatnot in the industry that I had kind of heard that the game may be on on the rocks. Not not in the sense of like, hey, it's going to just get fucking canceled or anything. Sure. Like that. But like I had heard that it, it sounded like there was a little bit like there's a reason more so like I like to say if there's smoke, there's fire and us not seeing this game and it being such a prominent like, hey, this is a game that is featured front and center with 
Halo Infinite, with Hellblade 2, with, you know, all these prominent big single-player experiences that they're looking to put out as exclusives with Xbox, to then going radio silent usually isn't, and I mean, we've seen it with Halo in terms of, you know, with Halo Infinite, where it's like, clearly there's some issue going on there, but at least they're talking about it. Like, they've been, you know, 343 to their you know, credit has been even whenever Halo Infinite after it got revealed and whatnot, like, and we're talking from 2019 to 2020, like, they still talked about the game. Yes, yeah. it, it was being rushed and whatnot, and then we obviously saw it was canceled, or not canceled, but delayed until the following year this year. And clearly, you know, we'll get into that. It looked like that's what it needed, but point being, though, that we still heard about Halo Infinite. We still got updates on, yeah, Halo Infinite's going great. Hey, Halo Infinite, even if it's minuscule, we still heard about it. Everwild, we did not. And Everwild was, like, penned to be within the next, you know, year or so. Like, that, that to me, I had heard it was a 2022 game. So, like, mm-hmm. clearly that's not happening. But it sounds like, I mean, a lot with these two, and I, I'll, I'll let you get back to it in a second, but, like, a lot of these games like this, when they go through these major art overhauls, and an example I kind of use is the beloved Star Wars 1313 that was going to come out from LucasArts before Disney bought them and that whole, you know, shit show that happened with that, that, like, when 1313, people were in love with that game. When they showed it E3 2012, like, people were like, this is what Star Wars needs from a video game perspective. This is what LucasArts for sure needs. And people were ecstatic. All the turmoil that came with that in terms of the Disney buyout and whatnot was going on and that then you know george lucas winning that originally before he sold to be a boba fett game and forcing that like even after they sold and LucasArts shut down they tried pitching it to other developers and they were going to salvage it they were going to say hey we have all this and hey it'll be a major undertaking but we have all these basic art sets of this the basic skeleton of this we can shift this we have an engine we have all of the you know the tool set that we'll need to make this happen so from that perspective even though they didn't pick up on that, it would have been easier to do that. Where, at least with Everwild right now, they have the skeleton. They have the bones of this game in terms of pre-built assets from the engine and things like that. Obviously, that could change even with art direction and whatnot, but like a lot of the hard-pressed like pre-production end of things seems like that's already going to be intact. That you know, And mm-hmm. obviously, that could change too, but if they're looking at a 2024 release date, yeah, that's three years from now, but three years isn't a lot of time to make a video game. So it, like, it seems like they got the, the heavy lifting done already that they're saying, hey, let's peel back what we got right now. This is the vision I think everybody wants to go with. Let's go with this. So I, I'm with you that, listen, I'm all for quality over quantity. And if Microsoft has the money to provide that, has the money to say, yeah, man, take a year or take, you know, reboot it. It's fine. We want to make sure that we we're tired of people saying, Xbox has no games. Xbox has no games. Or Xbox has games. They all just fucking suck. Like, yeah. I'm tired of people saying that we have the money. Let's fucking make it happen. I mean, yep. so not to interrupt you, but go ahead. I, I just want to kind of follow up on the, that. I had heard stuff very similar to that. That's why I didn't put it on like maybe three predictions or anything like that. And I, I figured we'd probably hear something like this eventually coming out. So go ahead. Like, I'm sorry. Sure. Yeah. No. Um. The other thing. The other thing that was interesting to me is uh, Walt Disney Games kind of being open that they want to just work with the best developers. And I think from a industry standpoint, this is saying 
a lot about where indie games are, you know, because I know a long time ago there would be times where people would kind of basically only buy games based on developers and probably for good reason. A lot of the indie developers just weren't getting the support they needed or they hadn't come along, you know, as far as they would like. But a lot of these indie developed games that are coming out um, are just spectacular. I mean, a game that comes to mind right away that I already talked about in the show just briefly was Phasmophobia. Just being completely independent to like a single developer. Like you're talking about a game that has VR support. It, it's it's really crazy what these indie developers are able to put together nowadays. So mm-hmm. with the, um, you know, with the SVP of Walt Disney being open to working with whomever is going to make the best game, I'd say, you know, that's tremendous, especially with you kind of focusing on the indie developers this show. I know Adam, um, who's been on, who was a host of the show, has been on the show a lot. I know Adam is someone who, like, swears by indie developed games. He loves indie developed games and he loves supporting them. So um, indie developers are close and near and dear to our heart. And, you know, I love to see them get more opportunities because I really do believe that's going to be a type of renaissance in the industry is a lot of people working independently to get away from the CD projects, no offense, or Mm -hmm. EAs, you know, like imagine an indie developed hockey game that would compete with EA. Like Mm -hmm. you're talking about more competition is always, you know, going to breed better results. And nothing proves it more than the gaming industry with certain games. Like right. NHL, they're not being a competitor. Like there's so many issues with NHL, but they don't have to answer to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the show has gotten pretty solid. And now that it's on Xbox and there was talks of there being competition for it, I know, you know, they got their, their shit together. But think about games that have competition and how much better they become. Um, you know, Fortnite kind of does their own thing regardless of what any other BR is doing. But I feel like Apex really tries to get their shit together to try to compete with other, like Warzone and in, in Apex. Um, so yeah, I mean, more competition is always better. So hopefully more indie teams get to work on more things. And last but not least, um, Resident Evil Village, a game that both of us really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I would say I haven't had the heart to dive back into um Val- Village of Shadows yet, but that's mm-hmm. just because playing on a harder yet. difficulty. <laughs> yeah. I just have I just played through on a little bit of a harder difficulty and it was a little bit frustrating at times because I know the enemies were bullet spongy in that. Mm-hmm. And from what I've seen and read Village of Shadows and I've watched it on Twitch because I've watched speedrunners play it. Um, I see how annoying Village of Shadows can be. So, with that being said, I will be playing through again. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's this was pretty much, like, a, a news article that, like, it needed to be covered in Button Mash, but it's one of those things where they didn't even have to say anything. We knew right. it was coming. Yeah. They're they're big on DLC. Resident Evil 7 had a ton of DLC, most of it pretty, pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw RE2 with some different additions obviously re3 is kind of like the one that not a lot of people talk about for probably good reason but mm-hmm. with, with three out of four you know you're talking about a, a pretty damn good amount there you're talking about 750 percentage like you're talking about really good so you know this is kind of goes without saying that we knew resident evil village was going to have dlc but i'm really excited they they at least confirmed it and oh, yeah. the sales that it did no like 
they did such a good job at building hype around this game. Mm-hmm. They really do a good job with the Resident Evil series. They always have, whether you're a fan or not, they always intri- they always build the intrigue and in, in, in people's interest in the game. They do a really good job at that. So the numbers pretty much speak for themselves. When they release a good game, they deserve to blow it out of the water because they do all the right things building up to it. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. I, I totally agree. I'm, I'm right there with you where it almost didn't need to be said, but I'm glad they said it where from a DLC standpoint that I think most people though were I think most people were more so like shocked that they didn't hear about it beforehand because Capcom loves to which is a good thing in my eyes even for their single player experiences say leading up to release and most I mean most AAA developers especially third party ones they're they're published from major third party um, publishers and whatnot, like EAs and Capcoms, obviously, and stuff, they'll give you a content, you know, roadmap of like, hey, here is, even if it's a single player game, here is base game launches this day, but here's DLC that we're talking about. And, you know, for a long time, people were more, it kind of tugged people the wrong way of, oh, well, we haven't even got the fucking game yet, and you're already trying to sell me on more stuff, or you're already trying to give me more. To, uh, but I think now more people are trying to get as video game pr- prices now start to begin to rise a little bit and people are playing more games and just in general are wanting more out of their games, people are more inclined to say, yes, that's dope. Even if I pay another $5, $10 to get this couple hour DLC, that's fine with me. It's more content and more in this world that I want to live in. And I believe 7, when it launched or before it launched, they already said, hey, we're doing DLC packs for this. We're doing this, this, and this. And I think that's why people were like, okay, you're not, this is super popular, this is one of your best-selling Resident Evil games now, you know, at off the bat, like, it's, you know, sold so fast, it's setting Resident Evil records, it's setting just records in general for survival horror and things like that, and Capcom in general, like, you're not going to give the DLC for this? This is like a layup, man, like, so I think people were just more surprised they didn't see it at first, but I'm with you where it's like, it doesn't need to be said because it's going to happen. Like, it just, yeah, it, it would be illogical on all fronts if this did not get any dlc so um and obviously like you said too like them setting these records in terms of and being you know being at the top of the charts for sales and whatnot is so good to see and so nice to see in terms of for what it does with survival horror and granted this was much more of a blend of survival horror and action but in general people are showing up saying hey we like this we want more of this and they always tell you, hey, the best way to show your support or show what's going on is speak with your wallet. And people are speaking with their wallets continuously, continuously, continuously. So, you know, that's the beauty of capital. The one beautiful thing about capitalism, you know, you can decide money kind of makes the world go around from that standpoint. So if money talks, Capcom's going to talk back eventually. And especially, too, if we're saying, hey, this is good shit. We want more good shit. Give us this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. Mike. I think it's time we head into our big topics for the week. And really, the big topic is, of course, E3. And, of course, Microsoft and Bethesda's E3 conference. Um, which I feel like I'm going to, during this whole conversation, just refer to it as Xbox's conference because Bethesda is now owned by Xbox. And normally, I'm one of those people that I'm like, you know, hey, you know, give them the right, give them the right to name it. It's just going to be easier from my dumb brain trying to like talk about all this shit. <laughs> so if you, I'm not leaving Bethesda hanging, just so everyone knows. But yes, 
Xbox's E3 and their performance, and really, I think, kind of wanting to see if a lot of the dialogue around not only games media, but fans and industry members is that not that this was Xbox's coming out party, because I think that's one they, in a sense, were already here, um, and especially to them talking about Game Pass or whatnot. And if you want to ask me, I think 2022 is going to be their coming out party, more or less, that they're saying, hey, here's Perfect Dark, hey, here's Fable, hey, here's this, 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 you know, like, where they're like, expect a big launch every month or two type of thing moving forward, like on Game Pass day one, yada, yada. So I think that's more coming out party. But more so, I think this is where people were saying, this is, we're starting to see the gears finally really turn. We're starting to see, yes, this is, we're starting to see the plans start to form in motion that Xbox spent all this money on and spent, you know, years building up to and saying, hey, yes, we got kicked right in our asshole. Like, we need to head down, get to work, mm-hmm. reinvest in gaming. And we're starting to now kind of the coaster starting to get to the top of the hill for almost the, the ride down. Like, it's getting close. And I think that's where people are noticing saying, like, Xbox One E3, Xbox One E3. So I kind of want to look at it from that perspective of, like, did it because Nintendo put out a lot of good stuff. Capcom, you know, for what they showed, it was all kind of stuff already there, but good stuff, you know, and Ubisoft had a decent showcase and I don't even talk about Gearbox. You could see my reactions over on our, on our YouTube page of my reactions of Gearbox. Sometimes saying less is saying more. So um, <laughs> anyways, though, I do want to kind of just go through and kind of set the stage of what all happened, kind of get our thoughts on everything and break down some of the bigger moments from e3 from xbox's standpoint and we'll go from there so obviously i think the the two big guns that we got to start with starfield and halo infinite let's start with starfield because there's not as much of there and i feel like obviously I, mike i want to give you the leash to run you know take you off mm-hmm. leash, let you go and run with halo um from your standpoint especially when we're obviously going to talk multiplayer that was the big focus of this because i think they want to keep campaign kind of under wraps under wraps i think it's still early to talk about not not early but like i think we'll get a campaign trailer you know another two months or so like i think that's an appropriate time to get a campaign trailer but i digress so let's start with starfield and i think that was perhaps the biggest announcement there in terms of like hey we haven't seen anything for this game we haven't done this now we've already seen halo infinite we're excited to see how the feedback they've taken from this past year, yada, yada. But Starfield's something that we have literally seen, like, pretty much a fucking JPEG of. And that's it. Yeah. And, you know, Bethesda stands like me. You're still like, let's fucking go. Let's go. Like, I'm excited. I was hyped on this game. I'm hyped, obviously, on Outer Scrolls 6. But I've been hyped on this game from that alone, knowing that this is something new, fresh, and whatever. So, you know, I think it was probably the biggest announcement that ha- they had even though the trailer leaked on you know literally like a couple hours beforehand um but i don't think it ruined anybody and for me too i was on a plane at that time so i got to see it you know i didn't even get to see it so i was happy but we still didn't learn that much about the game outside of it one being an xbox exclusive which i think we already kind of said hey yeah that's for sure going to happen but also too we more i don't want to say surprisingly because i knew there was always a chance that we could get a release date and i figured it was later than a lot of people were thinking even myself like once i said like i could see this in the first half of 2022 i was like really 
Yeah. I don't know. Like, it, I started thinking about it, but I think it was more surprised that we got a hard release date for this. And I think it's more or less just because they love their, you know, numbers lining up and whatnot. Look at Skyrim when it launched on 11, 11, 11. Like, I think it's just that they wanted to go with that date. So, but then we did get a launch date for this. We got it on November 11th, 2022, over a year and a half. I mean, we're looking at pretty much a year and a half out at this point, but are you a little disappointed we didn't see more from Starfield, you know, gameplay or anything? Was the release date a little further back than you expected, like like I was kind of talking about? And do you think that release date is to really counteract as much crunch as possible? You know, all we hear about it's crunch and crunch and how to counteract that. Is this Bethesda saying, no, we want this time around, we want to kind of tackle things different. We want to give a long enough leash for our development staff to say, don't burn yourself out. We have money. We have finance, financial security. Not that they didn't before, but much more financial security from Microsoft. Now, you know, that we don't have to worry about stuff. They're hyped on this game. They're more worried about quality over quantity. Like they want this to be, the best Bethesda experience they can give us until obviously the next Bethesda experience with Elder Scrolls. Like mm-hmm. they want this to be the best iterated game possible. So giving them even more time, you know, obviously no, there's probably still going to be crunch at some point, but point being like, do you think this really count- tries to counteract? And what do you think about everything that we saw with Starfield in general? Yeah, I would say I'm pretty I'm not not necessarily surprised with the lack of information. The reason being is Todd Howard kind of I think he kind of showed his hand in that interview where he makes a joke where, you know, um, Phil Spencer tries to get some information about it out of him. And he says, you know, I think it's the best game that nobody's ever I think it's gotten a lot of hype and it's the best game that nobody's ever seen. I think that kind of tipped his hand because. He knows, and Bethesda knows as a company, they're not dumb. They're not like this isn't their first rodeo. They know that, you know, the more and more shadow, uh, I guess the term is like, uh, I don't know, like drop drop announcements that mm-hmm. they do. Basically, the more they keep it under wraps, the more that the lore and hype of this game grows, which is crazy because we see an, another developer, three four three, really being hammered by its people, uh, by its fandom. Um, for the exact same thing. Like, 343 has said, we're going to be more open, we're going to be more honest with development cycle and crickets. So they're not being more honest, they're not being more open, and we don't know very much about Infinite besides what we've seen because, you know, they came into last E3 with with basically not telling us anything. And the same thing with this E3, but they do did have more to show. But with Starfield, like, the biggest thing for me is, like, why would Todd Howard and Bethesda start saying anything about the game whenever all they're going to do is create unnecessary like expectations for the game that nobody's even seen right as of right now this game has so much hype and so many people are so pumped for this game because i believe people are really starved for a i'll use the air quotes just to let everyone on there know true bethesda experience because i really don't think you got it out of fallout uh fallout 4 you definitely didn't get it out of fallout 76 um elder scrolls online is is a is an interesting proposition but it's not the same so people are are really starved for you know a true bethesda experience and you see that when you see uh, Bethesda re-released Skyrim for the 75th time on a different platform, this time on Game Boy Advanced, and people are buying it. Like, 
that's the type of thing that Bethesda sees also. They're not dumb. Dude, and how, they understand. Uh, not, not to interrupt you too, but you bringing up Skyrim. How fucking old do you feel right now? Skyrim came out almost 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, we graduated high school like 10 years ago, so I feel right. pretty old. Right, that's what I, like, it was so funny too. I literally pulled up, I was looking for a screenshot I took on my phone last night to show my fiance and her family something funny. And I came across like the screenshot that I took last year when last november whenever it came up like memories on facebook that was like nine years ago this happened it was me picking up my my 360 copy of skyrim on launch day and being like holy shit that's gonna be 10 years ago like yeah that's one of those games i remember like oblivion like halo 3 like you know those games that you remember i remember going to the store and getting that and running home or run, at that point running to my i was a freshman first semester of college running to my dorm and like fucking locking my roommate out and be like pat you're not coming in here like I, I'm leave me here. alone <laughs> i love pat to death great dude i still friends with him to this day but like you're i'm i'm not coming out of this room do not fucking ask me to do anything but just thinking it's like it's crazy for that fucking old and we haven't also gotten a new uh new uh elder scrolls game in 10 years now and yeah i'm gonna get one till and 14 I think... years <laughs> literally and i do honestly think that they're doing all the right things. They don't have to even say a single word about the game and people are still building hype about it. So they're kind of in this situation where like, why would they ever release any information they don't need to release? And I'm with them. Like as of, as of right now, you had three, four, three really talking a big game coming into infinite and then it gets delayed. And then you see the disappointment there with Bethesda. They're just quiet. So you don't have very many expectations. People are expecting an RPG in space and they did say that you know they're trying to stay statistic or scientifically true mm -hmm. but it's a video game so there's going to be some some weird things that happen in it oh, which sure. is it, fair but i think they're kind of doing all the right things and making all the right decisions but correct me if i'm wrong but i think going back to the last show we talked about this i think i'm i did predict a um a holiday 2022 you did? release you did so it's right on the, like, I hit the nail on the head with them. I know the way Bethesda, I don't know the way Bethesda works inside baseball, but mm -hmm. I do know that, like you said, they're sentimental for dates. They weren't going to rush this game. They're not going to push a game and release it in August for no reason when they could push it back a little bit, make sure it's polished and get it out in time for, you know, all the holidays and things of that nature. So mm -hmm. that's the way I see it. Um, I'm not surprised to see it at the date. I guess I you know, being honest, I know I've talked a big game saying, why would they ever release any information? I still stand beside that, but I am a little surprised that they didn't release more information about it to build the hype. Mm -hmm. But again, I, I understand like they don't even have to say a word. They just say, Hey, we're coming out with a game and people run with it. Yeah. And I, I think it's important too when looking at what we saw from them, that a few things stick out from that reveal or I don't want to say reveal trailer, but cinematic trailer the first true mm -hmm. like trailer we've seen of this game that right off the bat they show hey this is i believe pre-alpha footage that they said but it's all running in game and two also it's important to note this is hey this is the creation engine 2 that we're showing and a lot of people i think who don't understand game development and this was me like in you know early college or whatever like somebody who was just kind of getting into the inside baseball aspect of, you know, 
how the sausage is made with video games. That I'm like, I know what an I know that it's run on an engine, and I know this and that. And you know, realistically, an engine is a tool set. It's not just one software. To, like it's not just a one thing. Like you know, it's a tool set. It's a physics engine. It's a you know thing that generates different as like trees it's it handles your coding it handles all these like it's it's a catch-all an engine is a catch-all and for a long time people you know and rightfully so to a degree is they said like you know even when oblivion came out gamebrio was kind of old because it was built off of morrowind when fallout 3 came out they were like you need to update gamebrio it needs to be updated <laughs> Skyrim came out. It was on the new creation engine. It, you know, even then people were like, this feels dated. It feels like there's some jank with this, you know, because even too, it can only handle certain, you know, art assets and things like that. Like, you know, certain scalability, you know, with it. And people were like, this even seems a little dated too in 2011. Like, and then moving to then doing it with Fallout 4. Like, and people are like, you need to update the engine. There's some validity to that. And there isn't to the same degree mm -hmm. that an engine is a tool set. It's not just a one, you know, it's not a one thing catch all that somebody just needs to, you know, Oh, we need to develop just this one new program and it fixes all. It's not the case. It's some things. I mean, hell look at, I mean, look at fucking halo as a franchise. It's ran off of an iterate, an iterative version of its same engine from halo CE up until halo five, like the same fucking engine, like, Pretty much like the same fucking engine, just obviously iterated on and whatnot. And gameplay has been, you know, whether people like certain changes or not, that's not the question. It's the gameplay, the gunplay, everything is everything is good. It feels like a modern video game when you're playing it. So <laughs> it's certain aspects that you need to update that I think Bethesda people are right to say, hey, Bethesda, you need to update maybe your physics portion of the engine. Maybe you need to update certain aspects of coding integration with it that like and I think that's why a lot of those things that why do these games have taken so long in terms of moving from and throw Fallout 76 out because that was much more of a joint effort from a lot of different entities within a Bethesda. <laughs> it's a Bethesda Game Studios title, but it's much more of a joint entity. But you'll I think this is where you see that they pulled a three fourth or saying, hey, for the next year or so, two years, whatever, like we are completely not overhauling, but completely gutting this thing to a degree, seeing what does, we can still hold on, but building this fucking engine re-out. Like, and that's where you saw Todd even come out and say that three or four years ago, something like that. At this, I think it was three years ago, saying like, hey, we're completely reworking the creation engine, and it's going to be our biggest change yet to this thing to make sure and ensure that our games are transferable into the future for much longer, which I think is the more reassuring thing. And that's why me as such a hardcore Bethesda fan says, take as much fucking time as you need with these games. Like I already have a deal, which I brought it up with my fiance. I'm like, when they first revealed Elder, Elder Scrolls six, I was like, I told her, I'm like, listen, you got to give me this. I said, mm -hmm. I will happily, I'm, I'll be ready to have kids once I roll credits on that game. One time. <laughs> so I don't think she realized that how long that game, time it would take for that game to come out because it's probably going to come out in like 2025 something like that <laughs> so like telling her like yeah, yeah 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 we're good we're good you know she's i even brought it up to her like over this weekend she was like well when's it coming out and i'm like ah this guy 
this guy. <laughs> you want to see the game? Like, When's <laughs> it coming on? I was like, I don't fucking know. Like, it, but anyways, but but yeah, divorce. So, <laughs> divorce. <laughs> That's such a good fucking video. Oh my god, I'm gonna get on Molly about that now too. Like, she's gonna be like, when are we flying home? I'm ready to fucking get out. Um, but but yeah, but like getting back to Starfield, I'm I'm the same way where it's like. I think this is such a I think this is such an interesting time for Bethesda because it in a way I do agree that hey they showed their hand saying like with Todd saying like hey this is the best game that you've seen there that nobody's seen clearly I guess at this point like for how people are reacting to but at the same time too I think the collective of people who enjoy Bethesda games even those who have been naysayers of who are fans of Bethesda but have been naysayers of like you know oh this is they're trending in a direction I don't like have now started to see, okay, something else is going on here. You know, clearly there's been pullback. Clearly there's been, you know, even though fallout four was a commercial success, a critical success, all these things, people knew that this was probably the furthest from a Bethesda title as they can get from a true actual Bethesda. Like this is a Bethesda game studio developed game. This is from the same people who made fallout three, Oblivion, Skyrim, Morwen, these are this is the same team who did this. And they realized that it probably leaned a little too casual, where it was a much more <laughs> linear experience. How do your choices really matter as much as you're believed to and yada yada? Like so I think though that people are now seeing that maybe they're taking that to heart. Maybe there's a reason why this game's taking so long to come out. Maybe there's a reason why you know, outside of, you know, yeah, the Microsoft deal and whatnot, why it's been kind of held back, why it's, there's a radio silence. And it's almost from the same conversation that we could have with Halo of, you know, and we'll see how that goes. But 343 saying like, okay, Halo 5, you know, from a gameplay standpoint, there was a lot of good things to like, but this isn't clear. This is clear the direct, not the direction people wanted to go we got to peel back because we don't have a lot of, you know, swings left at the plate. And same with Bethesda to a degree where it's like, you know, Bethesda has been known for every game that comes out for them. It's a 90 plus on Metacritic. That wasn't this time around with Fallout 3 or Fallout 4 where it was like, okay, this is clearly the wrong step. We took one, Mm -hmm. maybe two steps forward, but one step back in the process that, we need to start taking one foot after the other and not backtracking anymore. We need to set new ground. And I think them being able to make this game that they've wanted to make for 25 years, they've wanted to make, but haven't had the technology from what they say. This idea of this is this pseudo take on NASA in the future of what NASA is and what NASA could be interacting with alien races and living in cohesion and having this almost not necessarily mass effect feel to it but a much more grounded realistic approach to that what would that look like what would that look like with us interacting with different you know entities within our universe and things like that so i think now them having the technology to really do that could be a show of them getting back into their roots a bit so i i'm excited about this even though we didn't see much and i think that release date may be far enough far enough out to be like yeah they'll probably stick that but Mm-hmm. it's also COVID who the fuck knows. <laughs> so, but I think now with Microsoft's money and whatnot, that they can beef up their staff to as much as they probably fucking want to at this point that, you know, Hey, whatever it takes kind of thing that Microsoft's saying, this is one of the most anticipated games right now in gaming period. 
and now it's an exclusive for us. There is a lot on the fucking line with this. Like, don't mess it up. <laughs> so speaking of messing it up, though, let's move into Halo Infinite. Mike, and I'm pretty much going to give you the floor on this one, but um, obviously this was the flagship title that they're showing for what was supposed to be the launch of last year's um, Xbox Series S and X. It, I mean, for Christ's sake, Chief is on the back of the box on the X. Um, so it being, you know, the flagship franchise for Microsoft really since the dawn of the Xbox, obviously. And having the, you know, having the negative discussion around showing it last year, even from a casual audience or whoever, and I, like, I liked a lot of elements of it, but I clearly saw like, no, this game is not ready and they need a lot of work, a lot of polish, a lot of yada yada, you know, to take care of it. But they at least, this was their, okay, head down, we'll, remer we'll emerge a year later and hopefully stronger. And this was the result of that, really getting to see, you know, new footage of the game. And they didn't really show too much on campaign, which to me is, okay, that's fine, because we did see what campaign looked like last year. And obviously, I'm sure art assets are going to be upgraded, some things are going to be tweaked, but I, it seems like the overall sentiment of campaign being in the pseudo open world type of, you know, experience, that's going to stay and that's going to stick. Um, so I'm expecting that already. I'm expecting almost a buddy-esque experience with the pilot that they keep talking about. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm excited no matter what with that. I'm okay if that's peeled back and we don't get to see a lot of that. That's okay. But they did get to see a lot of the multiplayer, especially with the follow-up the next day um, of showing like this little bit of a deep dive, like a 15-minute video of, hey, here's everything that's going on with multiplayer. So kind of running through just some of the points before I let you go, Mike. Uh, Overshield and active camo are still in the game. Players cannot pick them up and choose to activate them when they want. If you die uh, with it before using it, someone can pick it up off of your body. Um, vehicles are delivered by Pelicans in Big Team Battle. Weapons respawn via UNSC drop pods in Big Team Battle. Customization is completely off the charts. Players can customize more than ever before, including prosthetics and the return of armor effects. This was one of my big things that I loved about this. The battle passes for seasons will never expire like MCC and players can choose to go back and forth and purchase the previous battle passes as well. So if one came out six months later, oh, I missed out on that. You can go back and purchase it that day and it'll stay with you forever until you lock, unlock everything, which is fucking awesome if you ask me. Uh, like I said, so uh, cross progression and cross play between PC and Xbox consoles. Uh, Academy mode allows players to enter a space where they can you know, practice movement, get basic tutorials, try out weapons against bots, things like that. Uh, just a really interesting training ground. Uh, scoping in with weapons like the assault rifle and needler returns. It's similar to smart scope in Halo 5. There's no loot boxes, which they confirmed a while back, but nice to reiterate on. Uh, majority of customization will be unlocked by simply playing the game, which is really great and a lot of people love. I love. <laughs> customization items are unlocked by only one source. Um, an example that was given during it was if someone unlocks something from the battle pass, it won't be possible to purchase that individual item. It will always be tied to that battle pass. So it mm -hmm. kind of relies once again on playing the game. You can't just go to the store and buy this. You have to play the game, which is refreshing. <laughs> vehicle features, uh, vehicle feature more ex uh, expansive damage states. Uh, it's possible to blow a tire off a warthog now and keep using it. For example, uh, once a vehicle has been damaged enough, it will enter a doomed state, quote unquote, uh, where you have X amount of damage or X amount of time to do something before it blows up. 
Uh, the new UNSC Razorback vehicle can be uh, store equipment, objectives, and weapons on it, which was cool to see. Uh, bots will be available in custom games for the first time ever, so that's, once again, good to kind of practice in in-game moments before you start playing matchmaking and things like that. Uh, traditional red versus blue focused armor color is gone in team games. Players will instead have customizable color outlines around them to signify their team. Um, and you can go over to the Waypoint uh, website to kind of check all that out. Uh, Sprint Slide and Clamber are all present in Halo Infinite. Uh, that was revealed in last year's demo, but is very prominent now in the one that we saw earlier this week. So, Mike, what are your overall thoughts on this? I know from a competitive standpoint, you have your issues, you have your concerns, and that is absolutely, absolutely, absolutely understandable. Um, but mm -hmm. do you think these changes at least set the foundation for Halo to gain relevance again with general multiplayer communities? You know, the general casual, like, broad spectrum. We're talking a Fortnite, we're talking a PUBG, we're talking you know, Valorant or whatever, like across the board of a broad spectrum of players, not just competitive, mm -hmm. you know, do these moves do the best to open the door for more players in general? Could you see, you yeah, know, I, then I, could changes, you know, easily be made down the road to fine tune that once it gets its footing, gets a nice player base and a player base that's continuous to then say, okay, we're going to start changing some of these certain aspects in these modes to make a competitive scene. You know, what, what's your kind of thought process on all this? Sure. Yeah. I think I'd like to kind of, I'm going to take this apart in a few different layers. Um, this, is, this one's all you. <laughs> thanks. Since we're first talking about multiplayer, I'm going to start there. I will talk about campaign down the road. I'm going to start with multiplayer first and foremost, and I'm going to break that apart into a few different ways. Um, inside of Halo, there's a few different communities. There always really has been, and there probably are, always will be. But from an outside standpoint, if you're a brand new player looking to get involved with Halo or you're a seasoned veteran who might have played a lot of Halo, but you might not know the intricacies of the community quite as much. Um, you know, I'll, I'll try to fill you in on it as much as possible. Basically, the first thing I can say about the entire game is it looks relatively better than what it did last year. I still have some issues with Washout, and it's like, the almost the same identical issue that Halo 5 had for me and a lot of other people where all the colors were so vibrant, but it was constant. Mm -hmm. And it kind of created this weird, like, washout where you were just constantly overloaded with um, different colors and, and all kinds of things. You had this visual overload effect. Uh, I think that Infinite, from what I've seen, has the exact opposite. And if you played competitively, you would understand that Halo Reach in its later years of competitive play, had a lot of Forge maps. And in Forge, basically all the maps were great and washed out, and it was kind of boring to look at. It wasn't kind of boring. It was definitely boring to look at. I kind of get that same feeling with Infinite, unfortunately, right off the rip, where I'm seeing these maps, but all the colors are just kind of bleh, and there's no definition. Um, that is a little bit of a concern for me in general with the map creation. Another thing that's, that's a little bit interesting to me is how is the like the uh grappling hook going to come into play i see that the halo esports hcs account said who do you think is going to have the best plays on land with the grappling hook and a lot of the replies were hopefully nobody because it doesn't it doesn't belong in competitive play mm -hmm. um i'll talk about competitive play in a few minutes i want to stay focused on just the overall multiplayer experience. There's a lot to like about Halo Infinite. I think from a stand from a content creator standpoint, there is so much 
going on with this game that people are going to really enjoy it. I think you have a game here that has all the makings to have the slapdicks like Courage and, and Tim the Tatman and Dr. Disrespect, like those slapdick players who have some big slapdick, following for whatever endearing, reason. That's like, an endearing term that we're giving to them. Well, I mean, by and large, like their 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 personality far right. outweighs their their game. That's what I mean. Yes, it's it's yeah. like if me, I would hop in and play. I love Halo. Yeah. I love having a good time, but I'm more focused on my personality and having a fucking good time than probably exactly. being super competitive with it. So, so from that standpoint, it's going to be incredible. Of course, we didn't see any battle royale mode, but again, you would be remiss to think that that's not coming down the pipe. So to me, like when I see these game, when I see this game being played, I think of the endless possibilities with BTB, with grappling, hooking in the fusion cores, throwing them at vehicles, the vehicles being destroyed. I see this big BTB thing where they're going to have these tournaments when the game first comes out where the HCS community is going to be disgusted and rightfully so it's going to be fucking annoying and, and frustrating for us because they're going to have these hundred thousand five hundred thousand dollar million dollar BTB tournaments with these big content creators in it because they think that's where they're going to gain their appeal and their their popularity and that's probably true right off the bat with most free games like right off the rip that's when you see the most support that's when the player numbers are up they're going to try to capture that essence and see if they can hook some people in. So they're going to come out with this goofy-ass content creator tournament thing with BTB. It's going to be goofy. It's going to be dumb. But that's from a competitive player standpoint. From a casual standpoint, it's going to be awesome. You're going to have the biggest personalities playing. It's going to be terrific. It's going to be so funny. People are going to want to get involved. And that's all great for the immediate growth of the game. We're talking about six months down the road. What's going to happen? Because Halo 5 was released... And it did get some support from from a wide variety of people. Dr. Disrespect was playing it. You know, whenever he was first starting streaming, a lot of people don't know this because he's been big for so long. But when Dr. Disrespect was first starting out, he had like a five day schedule and two or three of the days was Halo 5 pretty much all day. So Dr. Disrespect was someone who played that game a lot and fell out of favor with it. And the simple reason was... There wasn't enough dev side support. And what I mean by dev side support is like there weren't fast enough balance changes. There were things that got into the game when it went gold um, that should have never made it in. And when it did make it in, it should have been updated relatively quickly and it wasn't taken care of in a fast enough point in time. I mean, the competitive side of things, we're playing with storm rifles a year after release when you're dying in like 0.2 seconds to them. People are crouching around the corners with radar. And you're dying almost instantly to these guns that you have no outplayability. How are you going to outplay someone who knows where you're knows where you're at is hiding around a corner and has a gun that's going to kill you faster than you can even think. So there was a lot of devs lack of dead side dev side support when it came to just balance updates and things in the game. That's when the competitive side comes in. So from a casual standpoint, I'm all hyped. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to play with friends going to be a lot of fun to to get into btb and just start to see all these different physics that they're introducing into the game from there you know you go into the competitive side of things and my qualms and concerns generally come with a lot of the balancing that i the balance issues i can already see right now they have a pro team working on the game and i don't know if the pro team culture because halo 5 had a pro team working on it with a lot of prominent pros from older halo games I don't know if there's some type of toxic culture at 343 where the pro teams basically mascots that get paraded around like, hey, look who we have. Like, 
we have this jabroni playing our game and we're not going to listen to him at all, but it's going to make you think we're going to listen. Like, I don't know if that's the culture there because some of the stuff that's getting added into this game, I can't see from a competitive standpoint what what the point of even having a pro team is. Um, and I'm not going to mince words. I'm not going to I'm not going to be nice to three four three. I'm not going to do them any favors. I'm not going to ask for any favors by kissing their ass. I'm just going to shoot shoot you straight. Like this game from a competitive standpoint looks pretty shitty right now. Um, one of the things that is the most confusing is the picking up camo and overshield and being able to wait to deploy it. Like I get that there's going to be a little bit of a delay on overshield, but imagine grabbing overshield. When's the timer going to be uh, from a competitive standpoint in halo one and two, there was static timers every minute, no matter what overshield was coming up on every map. One minute. Do you pick up overshield at, tw tw uh, you know, 1449 Every 49, every seconds on 49 after is, is when the overshield is going to come up after you pick it up. On Halo 3, it's the same thing with they, they lengthened the time limit. They lengthened it to two minutes. Um, with Halo Infinite, how are you going to time that? Is it from pickup? Because if someone picks up overshield and my team doesn't know that they picked up overshield, I'm not going to know the time, which is now the case. But if you see someone, you can kind of estimate, well, I see them you know, at 10.53, they probably got it around 10.56 or 10.57 because it takes a few seconds to get into play. With Infinite, is it going to be on pickup? Is it going to be on deployment? Is it going to be whenever someone dies and then the next team picks it up? That's when the muddy, the water starts to get a little muddy for me. The grappling hook, I don't even think I need to go that deep into it but i'm really concerned about being able to grab weapons with a grappling hook i did see in the gameplay demo that you can nade weapons to yourself which is a big deal because that was a halo one and, and a little bit of halo two thing um that you could throw grenades and the weapons would come flying to you and you could pick them up that was a part of the skill gap and in infinite you know i'm thinking in a halo three term if you're playing the pit and someone's training side pit and they can see the rockets in green hall in an mlg game and they can just not expose themselves at all, pretty much be impervious to damage, but they can use a grappling hook and grab the rockets. How is that fair to anyone, to the team that has control? That's the, that's something that is a little concerning to me. Um, the team colors don't necessarily matter that much. Um, I'm gen genuinely concerned about the speed at which people are moving because when Sprint is introduced into a game, there's a YouTube video, um, it was all over Reddit, that Halo 2's base movement speed was as fast as Halo 5's sprint speed. So what does that mean? That means that in Halo 2, just by running without losing your ability to shoot or do anything, you ran just as fast as full movement in Halo 5. So that means Halo 5, you know, with the thrust and everything, was a very fast game. But, you know, it, it's concerning. And to me, when you put in thrust and sprint, or not thrust, uh, clamber, sprint, all that kind of stuff, it's great. But people don't understand that the maps then get created for being able to clamber, being able to do this. So the maps genuinely just have to get bigger, which is what happened. You see the maps are very big. They're very bottom to top, very tall. There's a lot of stuff about the competitive side of things that genuinely concern me. So I'm holding out judgment on the competitive side of things. I think from a casual standpoint, the game's going to be great. From a competitive standpoint, I'm seeing another dud. Um, I hope they prove me wrong because there's no way this pro team sitting there playing this game saying, like, this is okay. It just yeah. can't be. 
it, it, it can't be true that that's what's happening. The ordinance drops and shit like that. I don't really give a fuck. If that's how the weapons are de are deployed to the battlefield, I don't care. But don't tell me the sniper rifle's coming up in a 30 seconds. Don't tell me it's coming up in 15 seconds. Don't let the entire world know when stuff is coming up. I know there's going to be some people out there that, that are like, why should that even be a part of the skill gap? Why should weapon timing be a part of the skill gap? Because it's been a part of the skill gap since day fucking one. Like, don't come in here. I guess I, I get that it's 20 years later, but don't come in here 20 years later and want them to dumb the game down because people love watching Call of Duty and watching people not have to think about anything and just shoot yeah. people. Like, don't, don't do that. Like, don't water your product down to try to appeal to the masses. Your game is going to be popular for a lot of different reasons. You don't need to go out and, and make yourself Call of Duty or these other esports that are pretty brainless yeah, and you, you just run around. You don't necessarily need to feature chase. Yeah, like, don't, don't do that kind of dumb shit. That's what's gotten you into the problems now. Mm -hmm. As far as the campaign's concerned, I thought what they showed was, was tremendous. I'm super excited, and I'm really hoping that... I'm, I'm really excited to see where... I guess we're calling her the weapon, but people are calling her Cortana too. Mm -hmm. Whatever. I'm I'm really excited to see what happens with that whole storyline. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't even play the campaign in Halo Five because it was dog shit. I've <laughs> I read enough that I didn't yeah. even need to bother. But I'm hoping Halo Infinite uh, does better. I mean, the game's going to be in development for six fucking years, and a lot of this stuff that I'm talking about is still present in the game. Mm -hmm. I get you can't completely scrap everything and restart the game a year out, yeah. but bro. It's been in development for six years, and somehow all the shit that I'm complaining about has gotten through. Like, mm -hmm. it's concerning. I'm worried. <laughs> yeah. Because Halo 5 didn't get a lot of post support until a year and a half down the road. Like, they didn't update the competitive settings till like, a year and a half later, and by then, it was already over. Right. No, and, and even me, as somebody who is a, you know, has played Halo now for almost 20 years, that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this from a casual standpoint. Like... Everything that I saw, pretty much for the most part, as somebody who just is playing this for fun, not going to play this. I mean, I'll play competitive matchmaking and things like that, but like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to go and try to play this at an esports level or, you know, focus on something like that or playing on private teams or whatever. Like, I'm somebody who's going to play matchmaking. I'm going to play social with my friends. I'm going to play some, you know, ranked matchmaking from time to time and focus on that and getting better at the game and things like that from that standpoint, but not knee deep within the esports scene of it. But, Everything that I saw from that same point, great. But even me as somebody who is looking in from the outside type of thing with the esports element of Halo, who had loved watching it growing up, the esports element of it, and still does love, you know, watching. I'd love to see it get back to the point where maybe they do partner with an ESL or somebody like that, like to get the prominence of Halo esports again, you know, somebody who's working with HCS to make that happen. Like, yeah, they, they are partnered with a new company called esports engine oh yeah but that's the, right that's right yeah. the esports engine guys is being head uh fronted by the guy that ran well didn't run out like didn't own mlg mm -hmm. but adam apicella who basically ran all their tournaments and started the cod world league and everything before they sold the activision so gotcha. um they do have some credence there and to be honest what esl did in halo 5 was just an abomination so i'm glad to be out of <laughs> esl's grasp yeah. i'm really excited to see what esports engine brings because they're a new company and they even though it's it's driven by like an uh, industry titan mm -hmm. i'm really excited to see because he's hungry again he has a brand new company he wants to yeah. see where this goes oh for sure but point being that i can even see the issues that are going to come up with uh the esports end of this mm -hmm. the competitive side of this where there's a lot of things 
like the grappling hook and things like that that like okay well how are you going to make that balance for everybody once again and even um them bringing it up in the multiplayer showcase that they had like the thing that people love about halo is even starts that's been one of the biggest things with halo from a competitive standpoint for a long time that people point to halo over any other competitive multiplayer you know game specifically a shooter that everybody starts on the same foot everybody has the same exact weapons everybody has this and that you know obviously you look at reach and people can have different armor abilities and stuff like that but that's a completely other ball of wax but point being that it's fair starts everybody's on the same foot and everybody's equal starting out there's no you know even whenever granted you look at like a csgo or something like that there's much more strategy from a loadout standpoint and an economy standpoint things like that 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 makes sense to have that but yeah when we're talking halo and we're talking something like this a twitch shooter that's like this where you need to have where the biggest thing is fair starts and things like that like look at look around the map or look at what they showed and it, it just all looks it looks fucking fun it looks like it's going to be a good time it looks like that we're going to get a lot of sweet casual plays and things like that like it's going to be fun to watch and it's going to be fun like you said fun to watch content creators get their hands on this and tear this thing apart like find little nooks and crannies and shit like that and have a good time with this almost to the end that we saw with like Fortnite a couple of years ago when it first popped off that people were learning this game and finding all these different you know aspects that gunplay and things like that were tight to begin with that people liked the game and the you know concept behind it that they started breaking it open and making it you know what Fortnite is and it's super popular but from a competitive standpoint, it always has so many... You hear people constantly talk about Fortnite from a competitive standpoint being like, there are... Here's a laundry list of fucking issues. Yeah, the game's fun to play, but like, here's a laundry list of issues that we have with this to make this the game that we think it could be and could, you know, be even more successful with this. And I think 343 and specifically Microsoft on the end of that partnership is saying like, we need to have a game that just people play. We don't fucking care what you do with it. Like, you can do all your other... Like, we just want a game that people actually fucking invest time into and play nonstop. Like, yeah, they want this to be their one game that they play every year. That's why they made it free-to-play. That's why they made Battle Passes stay a lot. You know, they want people to buy into this. They want Halo to now be a platform. They don't want it to be like Fortnite. Uh, they want it to be like Fortnite. They want it to be like PUBG. They want it to be like Apex. They want it to be like all these games that... It doesn't matter what system you're playing on, how you're playing on, whatever. Like, you have access to it with whatever device you have. It will carry across everywhere, and you could play it nonstop. Like, they want this to be the one game that you buy every year. Like, yep. And to a degree, that's good from the long. I think the longevity of just Halo in general, and getting maybe that people back into that mood, and then hopefully changing that and adapting that and seeing, hey. You know, hey, Halo's catching on. We need to make uh, competitive esports, you know, much more of a priority again for this series, yada, yada, even though it has been. But, like, on a grand scale that we once saw, and this being the grandfather of, you know, popularizing, East, you know, at least North American esports. And it's, it's, it does, it is, it does get frustrating as somebody like you, Mike, who's watched the, you know, esports scene of Halo for so long, you playing in it, but like, me watching and enjoying it that it's like sometimes it's like you're putting the cart before the horse in other ways and that's great but like there's also a whole community who has kept you not only afloat but also to 
been your biggest driving factor to get people to play this game like, yeah for a long time like a long time when halo nobody really cared about halo that much like you've had people stick with you for a long time that now feel like they're getting a little you know kind of a kick in the ass and it's like we, i mean we have been for a very long time since halo even since like halo 4 like the competitive scene's really been getting shit on and you're talking about a scene who you know people people out there especially some of our listeners that i mean you if you're a more casual player of halo or even any game like i get it when i talk about esports some some people There's who are casual fans by any means yeah and some people that are casual fans roll their eyes because they've been either attacked for them being casual fans or they just don't want to hear about esports anymore and that's fine but let me tell you something let me open up my steam library really quickly because I don't even want to look at my Xbox numbers. <laughs> You're talking to someone who had over 35,000 games played in Halo 2 Online on my account. You're talking about someone who in Halo 3 had 40-some thousand kills amassed on a single account. But remember, Halo 3 was a game where you got free one month. You got this. You got that. People were getting seven-day passes. So I had a ton of accounts on that, too. And I played a lot of di- on a lot of different accounts. You're talking to someone who on Halo... I think I had 30 days played on MCC on Xbox. Mm. And I also have 671 hours on Halo MCC on my Steam computer. Mm-hmm. And this is like strictly when I played on MCC on Xbox and when I play on the computer, 99% of that is strictly competing. And same with like back in Halo 3 and even Halo Reach when I I had 30 some days played on Halo Reach. Like you're talking to someone who has amassed months of playtime of my own life into a video game. As a casual fan, have you come anywhere close to that in any game? Like, mo- not not one month playing a game. I'm talking months of my life. Maybe six months. Maybe close to a calendar year of my entire 28 years has been spent playing Halo games. <laughs> Let that sink in. 28 years of my life, maybe an entire calendar year has right. been spent enjoying Halo games. So when you roll your eyes at someone who plays it for esports or competes... It doesn't feel like a job to me when I do it because I don't make enough money to do that. And it's right. it, it doesn't feel like a job to me. I enjoy it still, but I don't want it to be, feel like a job. I want to enjoy it. And you're talking about, yeah, maybe it's annoying hearing people who like esports complain about it constantly, but we also put the most time into it. So why shouldn't we complain? Right. Why shouldn't we feel like we deserve a little bit more? 100%. Listen to us. Like, I don't give a shit if you... It could be two different games. It could be Halo... Filthy Casual Edition and Halo um, Alpha Chat Edition. I don't care what you name it, but make me an Alpha Chat Edition. That's all right. I want. Right. No, I, I I definitely see where you're coming from with that. Or or if that offends you, you can call ours the fucking Beta Cuck Edition and call yours the Alpha Chat Edition. I don't care. Either way, I want separate. I want a different game. Spit in my mouth. I don't fucking care. Like, that's fucking fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Just give me what I want. Yeah, literally. Spit in my mouth pee on me bang my girlfriend in front of me just give me a good halo yeah all those things i'll take all those things to get what i want man. <laughs> literally i'm a fucking scumbag i just want a good halo Kristen game just kicks down the door excuse me <laughs> literally no daddy no <laughs> uh anyways let's 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 move on before we start losing our fucking minds here um, we haven't already no yeah that's been fucking you're at the years. beach how aren't you drunk already it's 11 7 a.m Oh, trust me. I got a, I got at least a white claw right in front of me right now. So, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anyways, before we get too long in tooth, let's move on. Let's talk Forza real quick. Um, we saw Forza Five came out. 
Um, not to the surprise of many people, uh, it's one thing that I think a lot of us have been kind of talking about, people who cover the industry at least, saying like, hey, this makes a lot of sense. Playgrounds obviously has, has multiple teams going on right now. This is what We know they've been working on a follow-up to try to get out to be this bridge game between not only Forza 4 or Forza Horizon 4 in the new mainline Forza game, but also this game that is a show, showcase piece for the system. They didn't have that at launch in terms of like, hey, this is that this is going to push the graphical abilities in this game. And I really think that this had one of the best showings at E3. I, I really do. And I'm not a big racing guy. I'm not a big Forza guy. I'm not... I've played Forza Horizon 4 a little bit, but never truly, you know... Like, I've never gotten, like, balls deep into racing games. That's just not me, at least from a sim standpoint. But I do like the Horizon ones because they're more arcadey and things like that. But now we're starting to see it win some awards. We're starting to see various publications be like, that was the, you know, game of the show. That was, this like, outside of another tight racing experience, Mike, we've now or we've known to now expect from playground games do you think this will be the game for at least the next year that becomes the standard example of this is what the xbox series x can do from a marriage of gameplay graphical fidelity performance high frame rates with it like is this going to be the example everyone points to now of you know hey not this is a reason to buy a series x but this is what this system can do. This is why investing in the system, this is what, from a performance, fidelity, gameplay, like, this is what you can expect out of this system. Do you think it might be that for at least, you know, another year? Probably, honestly. Forza, Forza, sorry. Forza. For, sorry. Forza has always done a spectacular job at showcasing the hardware and everything that it can do. And I know from hardcore racing standpoint, I know there's a lot of people out there that genuinely enjoy it. And I know that there's a lot of filthy casuals and alpha chads out there, <laughs> uh, both sides of the coin. Alpha Chad. R- R- Chad. <laughs> I know internet Chad really likes it. So <laughs> I'm just saying like, God damn it. I'm off track. I need to, I need to get back on. <laughs> I, uh, I'm reeling her in. Dude, I'm, I'm probably gonna get an X. I need to get an Xbox Series X for a lot of different reasons, but I'm probably gonna actually buy Forza and I'm probably gonna buy a steering wheel and gas pedals because that's the way I wanna enjoy it. Right. And I'm probably gonna play it. And I do think that it's gonna be basically the poster child for like, hey, hey, you there, casual internet goer, check out how sick our game looks on Xbox. You need to buy this. And I'm okay with that because Forza, Forza has. They've paid their dues <laughs> time <laughs> after time. <laughs> like, they've been dedicated. They've been a dedicated team. They've been putting in the work. Um, they've just been doing a terrific job in general for years with this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much put Gran Turismo out of, out of its misery. Like they've done some really amazing stuff with their game and I'm excited for them and they deserve this. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's going to be like the poster child of like, this is what's coming. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I, I definitely see this being that when not only, you know, the Microsoft reps or whoever at the Best Buys, uh, GameStop employee, yada, yada, like this is going to be one of those games that the kids show their parents to say, like, look at this. This is why I want this. This is why I want this. Like, this is going to be this is like a Digital Foundry wet dream. Like, 
for what this game can do. I cannot wait for them to get their hands on this fucking game, like a final build of this game, to just cover all of... Like, they were talking about it's scalable at times with the photogrammetry, I'm sure, that they've done with textures and whatnot. The textures could be even scalable one day to, like, 12K out the box. Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck? Like, that is mind-blowing that... Like, and this isn't even, you know, Forza proper. This is from, you know, Playground Games, who is, you know, not the main Forza studio who's handed. It's not turn 10. It's not, you know, this is, it's mine. Like, just for the sole fact, think about this. This is the same studio that's going to be developing or who is developing Fable right now. So not that I'm saying this is a one-to-one, like you can expect all of this, but like, this is a studio that has the ability to not only marriage gameplay with beautiful fidelity but also the performance end of it where they're saying yeah you're gonna be able to play this at fucking really high frame rates too while you're playing this like on console not just on pc on console like just imagine what this is going to do for fable like the tech that is there available to that they're they have available to them that they've developed or whatever that they could potentially apply some of that to fable like that's just mind-blowing but yes i i totally agree this is going to be that game that people point to it's going to be the one that's on display at the you know the kiosk the xbox series x kiosk at a best buy or whatever like this is going to be what they show this is going to be on the tvs that they have you know in the back like in the home theater section of best buy or whatever like this is going to be this is going to be the poster child for saying like this is what from a power standpoint this console can do and it's because of experiences like this so Real quick, Mike, back for blood. We already knew about the Ardia game. We're super hyped on it. We've been talking about forever. We got another E3 trailer for it, but because we already had got one earlier, but we finally got confirmation on a rumor regarding that, yes, back for blood is coming to Game Pass, both on uh, console and PC, day one at launch, coming to Game Pass. So, no buying it on Steam. Right. <laughs> of course. Of course. Because <laughs> well, I'm a scumbag. Yeah. But... I, to be honest, I have Xbox. I have uh, Game Pass Ultimate, but I'm probably going to double dip on it because I want to show that please give me more than more of this. Like, I will gladly. Literally. I have the money. I can give you a 60, extra $60 just to outright own this again. So, um, but real quick, while a ton of people are really hyped for this game, as us, you know, including, obviously, but does this game, this style of game, does this need a Game Pass release to really potentially reach its full potential? You know, given Left 4 Dead has been out of the mainstream, casual eye at least, like, for, a, you know, over a decade now for the most part. Did, you know, we haven't had a true Left 4 Dead type experience, especially on console, that's been regularly updated and provided to us for so long that, you know, is this one of those, you know, is this a move that I think, may be necessary to make sure to remind people like hey no left for dead's a thing or or introduce it to a new generation of people saying this style of game we played back in the day here's a juiced up version of it you're getting the fucking kitchen sink with this one like you're you know what i mean like is this the type of move that's needed to make sure that happens that the longevity of this game is possible i don't necessarily think so um okay Whenever Left 4 Dead 2 came out with a new campaign, some of the biggest streamers in the world were playing it because mm-hmm. they love Left 4 Dead 2. And whenever there's that many casual eyes being seen on it, it's it's you know it says a lot about that genre. 
I honestly don't believe that it needed to be on Xbox Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I do think the Xbox Game Pass uh, iteration of it will offer a lot of different things, but it's exposure to the like people who might not experience it. And the only people that I would really think of is like the younger generation that have never seen like Left 4 Dead or played it. Mm-hmm. That's who it's going to be great for. It has a like the Left 4 Dead franchise has a very passionate fan base online. I think it's going to do great um, as far as numbers. But I will agree that it being free for a lot of different people is going to keep it in the in the uh, spotlight for probably longer than I don't want to say longer than it deserves or should be because I haven't even played the game, so it's hard for me to say what it deserves. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I think it being free to play at this level will get will it'll get it into more ha- like households for sure. I think that goes without saying. I think that's a pretty captain obvious point. But I will say that I think it'll stay popular for longer than it should, whether it's a year that it's popular or whatever, because it's free to play for a lot of people. Right. And and that's more where I see it that I I mean, I think it is more I don't want to say it's necessary, but I think I think I'm more aligned with you that like it doesn't hurt, obviously, it only helps. But mm-hmm. more so that I think I see this being like Just, I think, I personally think just since Left 4 Dead, like, I'm somebody who grew up with Steam. I'm like, I grew up around PC gaming and things like that. Like, I've known Valve. I've known Left 4 Dead. I had it on Xbox back in the day as well. Like, it's a game that's been in my wheelhouse for so long, in my our echo chamber for so long, that it's like, I expect people to know about this. But, you know, kind of pulling back, there's probably not a lot of people who know about Turtle Rock. There's probably not a lot of people who know about Left 4 Dead who are now in that, you know, zoomer age or whatever you want to call it like bracket that it's like they may not have grown up with it they may not have known the significance of that and you know remember back in the day whenever like the whole ordeal between microsoft and valve of valve wanting to put out the free maps and microsoft Mm -hmm. like no you have to charge for that like that was such a big deal back in the day like things like that that people don't really like that may not remember or things like that so like to me it's it's i i think it only helps it doesn't hurt but i think it is kind of like not necessary to take these extra steps because it it, it's needed to succeed but i think for just bringing something back like this to make sure that it's at least given the best possible chance to succeed that it's necessary not that it needs it for sure it won't be successful no matter what but doing all these extra things to give it the best possible chance to succeed. Cause I think it will succeed no matter what, but more so to give it the best, like enough runway to start, start up the plane and get it flying type of thing. So, uh, Mike, before we kind of head into just the additional things, one last one that I want to kind of go through in depth real quick, if you want to say in depth, but touch on real quick, mm-hmm. Redfall. It's which was project Omen. I've talked about it a couple times in on previous episodes, uh, project Omen from, arcane that they have kind of been working on uh with their new microsoft deal or you know that it was before that but that they are now shifting that got shifted more towards an xbox exclusive we finally got to see that um you know it was one of a lot of people are saying it was unexpected but you know i think for people who have been covering the industry now they a lot of people would heard a lot of talk about this game or heard that there's something else and hey we could either see that or project typhoon or something like that so I was kind of expecting this to be there and I'm really happy. I was surprised that it was the last thing that was shown. Um, Cause I, I'll be quite honest. 
I was thinking we may see the Kojima Microsoft partnership that I, I last I had heard has been was either done or very very close to being done. Um, so, and obviously that stuff can change. Who knows? But I was expecting that to be the final thing. But we got this instead, and not that that's any shortcoming or whatever. But um, I just was surprised to see it as the last one. But it looks great. I mean, it's from Arcane. They made. Dishonored, Prey, all these really well-received gameplay-heavy games. They remind me, actually, of almost an Insomniac with Sony, and if that's any indication, that could be great. Um, you know, but their new title, Redfall, it's a cooperative shooting game where you fight vampires. It's coming out next year. Um, and like I said, well, personally, I expected this to be there, being Project Omen, bringing what I've talked about before. I think... I think showing this here made the most sense for both Xbox and Arcane, specifically due to Microsoft honoring Arcane's newest game that's coming out, Deathloop, later this year, being a timed exclusive for PS5. That mm -hmm. them honoring that, okay, here's a way that we could still talk about Arcane, our studio, at our conference without touching on Deathloop. Even though it's coming to PC, that's normally, they're talking about their next game coming out. They can't really do that right now. Like, granted, X Microsoft's been very, very much a we play fair, we play buddy-buddy with everyone, but, like, we're going to, you know, they clearly want to focus on Microsoft. They want to focus on the Xbox ecosystem at their Xbox event. So, point being, they found it was a good way to kind of transfer that to say, yeah, you know, they don't even acknowledge it, but they're acknowledging the next thing that's coming out that really is the start of Arcane's future with Microsoft. So... Arcane really continues to be one of the standout studios within Bethesda, the Bethesda deal as well, really. And do you think, Mike, that Microsoft may have really hit it bigger than they think? Picking up a studio like Arcane with that much prestige and legacy and pedigree behind it as really basically a package deal, because the big deal was obviously, yes, ZeniMax, which owns Bethesda Softworks, the publishing end, included, obviously, the big guns of mm -hmm. Bethesda Game Studios and id and you know with these huge franchises like doom fallout elder scrolls but arcane is really critically loved from a lot of aspects that this may be their kind of coming out party i think to a degree from a huge like casual standpoint more yeah houses and whatnot do you think this is really kind of like i don't want to say diamond in the rough type of thing by any means necessary but like do you think they might have hit the jackpot or you know hit it much bigger than they think by getting the studio, it's almost like a package deal. Yeah, I, I will say it does seem like they hit the jackpot. But also, when they made the decision to purchase Zenimax for the amount of money that they purchased, which was an exorbitant amount, seven million, if I recall correctly, you they oh, no, had seven to, seven billion. <laughs> seven billion. That's what I meant. I, I yeah, missed yeah, a B yeah. instead of an M. Yeah, seven I got Mister Evil. Yes, seven billion or one million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> One billion dollars, and everyone gets confused. No, seven billion. I'm sorry. When is when seven billion dollars? You know they spent a lot of money on the studio. And is there a lot of credence in Zenimax? Is there a lot of credence in in Bethesda? Absolutely. But I would also be. I also would believe and be led to believe that, you know, Microsoft they make a lot of smart business decisions. They don't often get had a lot by people when it comes to stuff like this. I would also I would also like to say that I'm sure they also knew 
I, I'm sure they kind of knew what they were getting. I'm sure they didn't know that it was going to be this big and this great. I'm sure it's it's a nice surprise. But it's like in sports, you get you sign this guy for, you know, you sign a winger for $2 million, and he ends up scoring 20 goals. Like, 20 goals for a $2 million winger is, like, fucking awesome. Like, you can't really get oh, that yeah. production out of that kind of money. I see it as one of those package deals. Like it was a package deal on a trade with a team and you got this throw-in guy or what you thought was this throw-in guy. And you knew he had some talent. You knew he was like, you scouted him out. You knew there was something potentially there, but there was going to have like the stars were going to have to align for it to hit. And it, it happened. So it's a part jackpot part. Like they knew what they were getting thing. And I think, you know, the only people that benefit from it besides Bethesda and ZeniMax are you know the gamers of the Microsoft gamers, the guys who play Xbox and the the guys and gals that play Xbox and the people that play PC? Like you're getting so much value out of your Game Pass now that it's becoming like almost overwhelming. That it seems like they're gonna have to start charging more for it at this point. Like if they came out and said pretty soon that they're gonna end up charging twenty dollars a month, like I wouldn't be surprised because that's how much value you're getting out of it, really. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred, hundred percent. So I definitely, I mean, I could see, I made the example of Insomniac where Insomniac's known for such great, great gameplay and good narrative, obviously, but Arcane is so, they make such interesting first person sim experiences like Dishonored, like Prey, that I think we're really going to see, you know, yes, Whale Punk with Dishonored didn't click with everyone, but the idea of being this assassin, being this, you know, shadow in the dark and being able to meticulously tackle any of these levels in any way that you want, both in one and then in a much more open air environment of two, really people dug that gameplay a lot. You know, Whale Punk didn't necessarily sell, so, you know, which sucks because they, a lot of people miss out on a lot of really stellar games, but, you know, and Prey obviously you know, them gobbling up a IP that had kind of fell by the wayside with a lot of people. But, you know, there's a lot of people from the 360 generation who remember that, um, remember that game early in the life cycle of the 360. You know, so being, you know, having this studio who's known for such stellar gameplay and people who adore that gameplay really reminds me of an insomniac that, you know, who knows fingers crossed maybe we eventually see them kind of in the same breath one day of being this being the studio that people flock to for all their games on a mainstream level so i think it, it, the game looks you know granted we only got a cinematic but the you know the what's the phrase i'm looking for the the concept of it and what's shown and you know stuff like that i think the concept of the game looks great i trust in some or arcane's gameplay bar none and also their writing. I think their writing and narrative is great. I'm all for it. So, Mike, let's run through a couple of quick hit stuff here with additional games that were shown before we kind of close out and go into party chat and wrap up the episode. But Outer Worlds 2 got an announcement trailer. Um, that was always a potential that I think a lot of people had heard kind of... I think Jeff Grubb actually mentioned that really a couple days beforehand saying that he had heard it as well, like... Don't be shocked if Outer Worlds 2 shows up and literally that's what he meant. Almost from a, you know, in 2018 when we saw Starfield, Ever Scrolls 6, like, not here's a JPEG. It was a little more than that, but it wasn't 
actual gameplay or really any actual cinematics. It's just, and they, it was so tongue in cheek, so obsidian with how they announced it saying like, we literally have nothing, but it's happening. Here you go. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. So it was great. And obviously coming to Game Pass, um, I just, I put a GP next to all this stuff that the only things that aren't coming to Game Pass day one, because all of them were except for three games that were shown were Battlefield, um, uh, what was the other one? Diablo 2 and Far Cry 6. Those were the only ones who weren't coming to Game Pass. The rest of these that I'm going to go through are coming to Game Pass day one. So um, Outer Worlds 2, like I said, said got an announcement trailer stalker 2 heart of chernobyl got a deeper gameplay and story trailer which was pretty cool even though i'm not that familiar with stalker uh the stalker franchise uh know what it is but never really got into them it reminds me always of like metro and stuff like that so uh, i'm sure adam will be into that but uh aoe4 age of empires 4 got a new trailer release date of october 28th mike are you happy about that are you excited about that real quick yeah um absolutely i'm really i'm really pumped about it uh i i can't wait to get in get involved and get into it um it looks terrific and i'm just i'm kind of blown away at how they were able to keep everything intact but also update all the graphics and make it just gorgeous right oh absolutely um contraband was shown it's a co-op open world smuggler title from avalanche studios who made uh rage 2 and I think if you ask me, I kind of mentioned that that previously they were potentially one of the studios that Xbox was looking or Microsoft was looking to acquire. I don't think that deal got done yet. I think that deal might be on the table still. Um, and this may have been a, hey, we're at least going to announce the game because that for sure is happening. Um, you know, that has been legally signed. It's an Xbox Game Studios published title. So um, that made a lot of sense being there too. That's coming to Game Pass, obviously. Uh, Battlefield 2042 got a new gameplay trailer showing its uh, 128 player mode. Cool, great. I'm not a big Battlefield guy. I don't think Mike, you are really either. Um, Psychonauts 2 got a new trailer finally with a release date as well of August 25th. I'm excited about that. I need to go back and play. I haven't played Psychonauts, the original one, since probably it first came out. So I would like to visit that again. Tim Schafer's awesome uh, and everything Double Fine does. Uh, Somerville, a game that I'm really really excited off because it gave major inside and Kentucky Route Zero vibes uh, that showed like a family trying to escape what appears to be like an alien invasion of some sort, but very much inside. Uh, oh, what's the other game that I love? Inside and die. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's going to kill me. But Kentucky, like I said, Kentucky Route Zero vibes. You get the idea. That's coming out. Um, they didn't put a release date, actually, I don't think on that, but it was announced it's coming to Game Pass. I would imagine within the next year or so. Uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected, Mike, got a new trailer, gave an update to performance on next-gen consoles and whatnot, and a September 28th release date. You talked about that. You're obviously hyped about that. I'm obviously hyped Yeah. <laughs> isn't uh, it? Uh, isn't it available September 23rd? Maybe it is. I, I think it is. Like, And I also think it's a... I think you said that it wasn't a day one game pass, but it is a day one game pass, if I remember correctly from the trailer. September 23rd. My my mistake. Yeah. Uh, let me just double check the game. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, don't worry, guy, listeners out there. I got this. <laughs> I'll get my I'll get my host under control. I don't see Game Pass on here, at least from... It, it might not be. I don't think it is, but I did get the date wrong. 23rd, so there you go. You're going to play it earlier than I thought. My bad. Um, sea of Thieves, a Pirate's Life free D DLC was announced. It's a crossover campaign, like a single-player, actual stand... Well, not single-player, but a standalone campaign event 
uh, with Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's a crossover with Disney. Uh, new Far Cry 6 trailer that dropped. That's cool. Um, we saw a lot of that before. Uh, at the Ubisoft event, a Plague Tale Requiem, a follow-up to uh, Plague Tale Innocence, a game I really dug and really happy to see get a follow-up with because I did not think we were going to, even though they sold a lot. It was very a game that flew under the radar to a lot of people. But gone announcement trailer, 2022 release date. Really happy, really, really, really happy for Team uh, Asobo over there that they deserve a lot of credit for that first game. Excited to see that they got that green lit coming to Game Pass. Uh, 12 Minutes, uh, got a new trailer. That's coming out in August. I'm super excited about that. I've been wanting to... That's the that game. game looks so cool. I know. I'm so fucking excited to play that game. I need that game like yesterday. So, um, uh, Flight Simulator got a release date of July 27th for the Series X. Uh, it's console release, as well as it's getting a Top Gun Maverick crossover event when the movie comes out later this year. So, cool. I get to be Tom Cruise and maybe do Scientology. Some yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully <laughs> going to do some shirtless volleyball in the game. So... Uh, Party Animals, which obviously takes a nod from Gang Beast, the uh, ragdoll physics like Super Smash Brothers fighter type game, which I, my fiance and I really dug. That's coming out next year in 2022. Slime Rancher 2 as well got announced, coming out next year in 2022, both coming to Game Pass. Shredders, a new sh uh, snowboarding game that focuses on video capturing and making like dope snowboarding GoPro videos and stuff like that, is coming in December this year to Game Pass. Really shit, that shit looks cool too yeah, it really does look good um munfish's atomic heart which really takes some some big bioshock vibes if i've ever seen some uh was announced no release date but it is coming to game pass uh and then the last couple things yakuza like a dragon got a shadow drop on the game pass go pick that up within the first 10 minutes of that game somebody calls somebody a cum stain i was a big fan of that that was <laughs> really funny um so go play that game it's really fun um the pit from the fallout 3 dlc of the same name is coming to fallout 76 which as somebody from pittsburgh was always cool to see yet again um and uh, last but not least, Hades, the award-winning game from Supergiant, is coming to Game Pass on August 13th, and just Xbox and, obviously, other consoles as well, not, you know, some other consoles, Sony consoles, so, you know, that's coming to console on August 13th, but it's coming to Game Pass as well. So, Mike, send the party chat before we get even longer in the tooth here. If you're new to the show, Party Chat's where we discuss one question at the end of each week that we just want to go over. Could be about anything. Could be what's your favorite story beat. What's going on within the games industry at large. Just kind of off-topic stuff we wanted to cover uh, outside of the prompts. And after answering it ourselves, we kick it over to you to tweet or email your responses to us at gpgcpodcast on twitter.com or over at bonusaccessory@gmail.com. You can send it over there. And we'll read some of the responses the following week. Last week's question, what game that is rumored to be at E3 releasing uh, E3 releasing within the Xbox ecosystem are you most excited to see? So a guess at you know, a certain Xbox franchise coming back. Somebody said Conquer, and that somebody was not Spider-Man 16. He's back again. Um, <clears throat> so he said Conquer. Obviously didn't happen, but that's all right. We, I'll keep the dream alive for not Spider-Man 16, a day one listener. So um, <laughs> this question, this week's question, though, Mike, what is your big prediction for Xbox's E3 2022 press conference? As of right now, June 20, June what? 17th of 2021 we're recording. What is your prediction for oh, one God. calendar year from now? What do you think we're going to see? What's, give me one big prediction of what you expect to see or could see from Xbox. Time capsule shit. Good grief. Um, uh, 
I mean, oh man, this this one is definitely a unique question. Man, I'm just gonna keep beating the drum. I know I sound like a broken record, but god damn it, I need a new Ninja Gaiden game. I don't <laughs> give a shit. I don't give a shit who makes it at this point. I need a new Ninja fucking Gaiden game. And hey, I need it like right. yesterday. I mean, clearly, uh, clearly the collection didn't, you know, scratch anyone's fancy, really, if I'm being quite honest. <laughs> and it was funny, too. I saw somebody post about the the Switch version of the game, and it's at, like, 240p. It's bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those. That's a head-scratcher to me, but I digress. And my... I was thinking about this. Obviously, Starfield gameplay is the easy one, but that's that's no fun. I want to go out on a limb and say we're going to get a cinematic trailer or really a trailer like we saw this year for Starfield for Elder Scrolls 6, but I don't think they want to take any emphasis off of Starfield. I think we get... I think we get both... No, we don't get both. We get one or the other. I think we either get a full gameplay reveal of either Fable or Perfect Dark. One of the two, and they'll either have, or one of them will have an early 2023 release date, whichever one that is. So that's my prediction that we're going to see a full, like, hey, here is the actual gameplay of this game. Here's how this game plays. So that's what I got. Mike, why don't you tell people where they can find you on the interwebs? Talk about all the nerdy stuff we talked about, all the E3 predictions, all the E3 run-throughs that we did. Where can people find you on the internet to talk about all the stuff we talked about today? You can find me on Twitter at T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R or on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelus, on most internet platforms, including at Travelus underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travis underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, you can do so over on Xbox Live at uh, just regular old Travis. I had a brain fart there for a second. Um, you can reach me over on just regular old Travis. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your remotely recorded newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox xbox game pass and pc gaming including news rumors and conversation around them damn good video games you can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every friday morning on youtube apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and all other major podcast services so be sure to subscribe to us rate us review us all the jazz i tell you every week the whole regular roll wherever you get a podcast at. and follow us on twitter at gpgc podcast stay up to date with everything regarding the show video games like and our dope giveaways Mike, that's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on. Wash your hands. Listen to the doctors. Black Lives Matter. And we will see you next week. Bye.